Welcome everyone to the Cup Nurses Podcast with your host, Matt and myself, Peter. Another awesome episode today. But first, guys, remember, make sure you check out cupnurses.com. We keep all our show notes there. We have some cool blog posts. We also have wearefrontlinewarriors.com. Lots of amazing content there about mindfulness, wellness, meditation. Just trying to make you guys more conscious while we make ourselves more conscious. We also have the Travel Nursing Checklist out and the NCLEX Study Guide for all you young nurses out there. And don't forget, check us out on YouTube. Give us a like, give us a comment. Make sure you guys give us a rating on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and whichever platform you guys listen to. Until up, Matt? What's up, what's up? I'm doing great today. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about the new FDA guideline changes that just took place in January 2020 and transition to 2021. And then also nurses getting their license revoked. Mm. Interesting topics. Uh, when it comes to nursing revocation, I never thought about it being possible, especially being on the other side of being in court. And it's so easy creating meta errors, to be honest. It's so, you know, we're going to talk about the story later on the episode of an easy mistake that any ICU could do by just overriding meds. Mm -hmm. It's scary how different types of ways you can lose your license. And it's one of those things I feel like you don't believe it happens until it happens to you. And if it does happen to you, it's too late. Like I never got my license revoked, neither have you. And I personally don't know anybody that has gotten it done, but... I remember the stories that we looked at, you know, it does happen and there's numbers to that. And it's not always a case that ends up being on the news. Sometimes it's like a low key case and it just happens. So just be careful out there. Remember it's your license and you're obligated to follow the rules. If you don't feel safe practicing in a unit, you probably shouldn't be practicing there or at least let the manager know that you feel uncomfortable because at the end of the day, it's your license. No one's going to give up theirs just so you could save yours. Yep. And the hospital's not going to care. They're just going to treat you like you're just another number, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to these FDA changes, so in 2020, January 1st, it was mandatory for any manufacturing company that's making over 10 million to switch their labels. Any manufacturer that's under 10 million was supposed to change theirs by 2021 of January 1st. Mm -hmm. And any kind of product like honey, maple syrup, and sweeteners like that, they had till July 1st of 2021 to change their labels. So as of this recording, all the nutrition labels are different in America. So let's talk about them. What are the changes that were introduced? Yeah, one thing I wish we would have looked over is like the progression and the development of the nutrition label over time, how it changed over the years. Because we just looked at basically these updated guidelines, but I'm really curious now on how the nutrition label was in like the early 2000s or the late 1900s. So, so fun mm-hmm. fact, when it comes to serving sizes, which will we talk about, they weren't changed since 1993. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time in over 20 years that these guidelines have been changed to this now. Yeah, that's wild. And same with like the serving sizes were always almost like hysterical to me, especially ones on the cereal, in the cereal boxes. Uh, we'll go over how they changed them um, on these, these new guidelines. But I remember a few years ago, like a serving size of cereal was like, what is like a quarter of a bowl? Like who, who nobody ever ate one serving size of cereal in, in their life. Nobody. Yeah, it's funny because uh, a couple of weeks ago about that, you know, the fiber cereal, it's mm-hmm. a very small and I poured myself stuff in the bowl. I'm like, you know what? Let me measure this out because I'm a little bit carb conscious today. Mm-hmm. And it was over two serving sizes and I thought it was just like one. So of course I did maybe like 1.5, but it's so impossible to get that two thirds in a small mm-hmm. little cup. And it's so deceiving. Because you look at nutrition labels and you're like, okay, one serving is this. So you automatically already think of yourself eating that one serving. But in reality, you're not eating that, that one serving. So it's, it's very dishonest, you could say. 
especially like those cereals, especially on those on those those drinks where it's like a one, let's say twelve ounce bottle, but you have one and a half servings in there. We talked about before the episode yeah. where it's like who drinks like two thirds of of like a twelve ounce bottle? Nobody. You drink the whole thing, and no one's accounting for those calories. And you think it's a, it's a good choice, but in reality, it might not have, might not be the best choice. Yeah, and most of us are conscious about it, especially our listeners too. There, we talk mm. about health so much, but for the general public, it's very very deceiving, just like you mentioned. Yeah. So some new changes that are being done. Larger, bolder serving sizes, the serving size when it comes to calories, and the calories are larger. And also, usually when you look at the right side, it says calories from fat, so they remove that. Uh, the reason being is, based on scientific research, they say that it's not evident to state, or it doesn't really matter how much calories are from fat. What really matters is the type of fat that we're consuming versus saturated or unsaturated and that makes complete sense like you don't really have to know how much calories are coming from fat because if you're counting calories you're just worried about the whole number and i was actually at a grocery store a couple months ago and i was trying to figure out why certain products had the calories from fat and why certain ones didn't so i was trying to like figure out because the ones that didn't have it had more fat than the ones that that, that had the actual label on it but that makes sense because you said that, that you know it takes time for these companies to roll out these new labels and there was like due dates, so I was probably before the due dates. So yeah, I was always curious. I was looking up online, and I couldn't really figure out an answer. But if you guys have noticed the same thing, you know that's why. Yeah, when it comes to uh, nutrient labels, so vitamin D and potassium are not required on the labels. So mm-hmm. vitamin D, we talked about it so much during COVID, how it helps prevent lung injury. It helps you recovering with COVID. Actually, if you're on low on vitamin D, it prevents your bones from properly. Uh, geez, the mechanism action of however vitamin D works on the bones, I'm blanking out. And also, if you have low vitamin D, it prevents, uh, uh, increases insulin resistance. So you're more susceptible to that. Uh, potassium is another one that was added. They found that a lot of our population is deficit, is nutrient deficit in uh, potassium. And that's a huge thing when it comes to blood pressure. And it's also a huge thing when it comes to people with renal problems. Yes. And as, as you've seen, there seems to be an uptick and, and a growth in the Dialysis clinics, like, oh, is it Del Vita or whatever? That, Del Vita, yeah. Del Vita Dialysis. Those are popping up around everywhere. Same with the other brands. And this makes sense because a lot of, a lot of these, these foods that are labeled as low sodium, they have the added salt in this taste by adding potassium. Like, you don't know, those, those, salt, those salt alternatives, they're usually potassium-based. So that's actually really important, too. And because I'm sure they, they look at the stats with the potassium. I'm sure they look at the stats and they see a growing elderly population. And... We know that the older you get, the more likely you are to develop some kind of renal issues. So I'm sure that's another reason why they put the potassium on. So people are more yeah. conscious because, you know, you can actually die from consuming too much potassium, especially if you have, have either heart problems or, or kidney problems. Yeah, and you should be aware of your daily value, which is mm-hmm. great that they included that. Uh, vitamin A and vitamin C is no longer mandatory. It's very voluntary for manufacturing companies. And that being is... It's a deficit that was in the 1990s that now is being replaced. So we fortified our cereals and everything with all these minerals, vitamins, which remove the need for that. Yeah, it makes sense. And if I'm like a manufacturer of, of like a food, to be honest, I would list more than these guidelines. If my product has vitamin C and vitamin A, even though it's not required to be listed on there, I would list it on there because that's just showing that my product has more of these vitamins. Yeah. And plus, if they're already... I already have it standardized a few years ago that they already have vitamin A and C. They might leave those on there and just add the vitamin D and potassium. What's interesting is so many processed foods don't have vitamin C in it, and it's usually a big fat zero. So probably that's a good idea for them to remove it as well. On the contrary, 
to show their product is healthier than it really is. Yeah, that's a good perspective too, 100%. Because, you know, a lot of times when you see a big 0%, just like, oh, this probably isn't the healthiest thing. Compared to something that says 10%, you're probably more prone to taking a 10%. Yeah. And like I said, a vitamin C is not something that's that's available and everything. You know, not, yeah. a lot of things don't get fortified with vitamin C. And especially the way I've been taught about vitamin C is you can dose so much higher. So, you know, don't consult your primary care provider when you're when you're listening to this, but I used to mega dose of vitamin C. I used to like buy like that. Remember ultrasonic jewelry cleaner? Liposomal? Yeah, liposomal. And I made like uh, liposomal vitamin C with soy lecithin, and I used to just take shots of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried it on my family. I'm an experimenter. Supposedly when they had the flu, I think the symptoms decreased quicker. But in general, what was good about the vitamin C is you were able to mega dose without it causing diarrhea or stomach issues because it was laced in the, in the soy. Yeah. So I'm a firm believer in vitamin C. I think it should have stayed on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to the daily values, so that's going to change a little bit. Uh, the bottom of your nutrition label, they kind of switch to lingo a little bit. So it helps the, the regular Joe understand that everything when it comes to daily value percentage is based on a 2000 calorie diet. Mm-hmm. But now you have to be careful because if you always relied on percentages, if you were very health conscious, that's going to change on certain aspects. So you should check the FDA or check our show notes to click the links to see what was changed. And a, a great example is they changed the requirements from fat. They went from 65 grams to 78 grams. So now if you read something that had 30 grams of fat, it was previously 55% of the daily value, and now it's 40 per six, 46% of the daily value. Mm. So if you're somebody that's you know, eating a specific amount of carbs versus fats, just be conscious about that when it comes to the percentages. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, sodium. They decreased uh, sodium from 2,400 milligrams to 2,300 milligrams. So now that's going to change from 46%, from 44% to 46% of your daily value. Mm. You know what I like too, that they required to have added sugars yes. in grams. That's probably like a big one because you'd be surprised how many products have added sugars that you don't even know about that weren't as as clearly labeled before. And those add into your calories. If you're trying to figure out why is this thing so so calorie dense, where are these calories from coming from, they're probably coming from the added sugars. And especially if you have a lot of added sugars, it's going to be really hard for you to hit all those daily values, the targets, within that 2,000 daily calorie intake. Yep. Because added sugars don't provide any kind of nutrition value. They just yeah. add, add calories that you have to burn. And, you know, hopefully people are more conscious about it. Like you said, there's a giant increase in diabetes. Maybe people are going to be more, more more mindful and this could be like a preventative kind of thing. Yeah. And it's also you become very conscious where you're consuming Oberwise vanilla ice cream. And it says it used to say 18 grams of total sugar mm. or 18 grams of sugar. Now it says there's five grams of sugar and third, oh, geez, 18 blanking out here, 13, mm. 13 grams of total added sugar there. So now you know, oh, wow, so this ice cream naturally for milk or sugar, whatever it's, uh, vanilla, they're, they're adding a lot of natural sugar. Mm-hmm. Now it helps people to think, geez, I'm really eating a lot of processed foods. Right, because a lot of times you think vanilla, it's probably the most basic choice, probably the healthiest, you could say, ice cream, but you know it's not. It's probably just as, just as bad as you as a chocolate or strawberry or whatever yeah. flavor it is. I think this is perfect to, to combat those drinks that says, mm-hmm. like, juice concentrate mm. or you think it's like natural sugars from these fruits and that's what you're managing but these guys just trick you now if you look at the total sugars you could differentiate the truth from the lie mm. another interesting thing is just like i mentioned the total fats so they removed that and they still stayed with um 
with a total fat trans fat labeling. Uh, one thing I was reading in a book is when you look at most products, it always mm. says zero trans fats, like a slice of pizza. But if you're eating two slices, actually the trans fats start adding up. So you have like 0.5 because if it's because below a certain number, they have to they have to add it, right? Exactly, exactly. And you only can consume 20 grams of of uh, what is it called of saturated fats. Mm. So it all adds up with whatever you're eating, especially pizza, which is one example. Yeah, you just have to be, you just have to be really mindful of, of of like what you eat. Obviously, this isn't like the you could say the perfect nutrition label. I'm sure we could definitely come up with a better one with better requirements, but. I like the the way they're pushing this one. It's, I think it's a little better than the one that we had before. Yeah, you, usually we talk shit about the FDA sometimes, you know, being lazy sometimes. I like what they did yeah, here. They're trying here at least. They're trying. Uh, one thing when it comes to serving sizes, just like you mentioned, so they went from half a cup to mm-hmm. two thirds. So now you're going to see 270 calories instead of 200 calories on your nutritional label when it comes to a serving. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing for soft drinks. So 12 ounces and 20 ounces, it's all labeled one serving. So you're going to have 120 calories or 200 calories. And this is because evidence is showing that people are more likely to, cons- to consume the whole product. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we should properly switch the label to one serving size mm-hmm. as they should have. Yeah, instead of you know trying to be all sneaky and say, hey, this let's make it seem like this whole bottle is is actually the thing, but it's actually two thirds. That's that's like the one thing that always blew my mind about this is like these these like ridiculous serving sizes and this was almost on, on everything. Like sweets, drinks, just foods, it's it's mind blowing. Like same with the serving sizes in McDonald's. I was watching a YouTube video a couple of days ago how over time the serving sizes have gotten bigger and bigger. Like a normal normal drink at McDonald's used to be six ounces, eight ounces, and twelve. Now it now it starts at I think like eight or twelve. And it goes up to like sixteen and like twenty-four. So it's crazy how over time as humans, we've been fed more and we are accustomed to bigger and bigger portion sizes. Right. And what also blows my mind with inflation and everything happening, just like you mentioned, serving sizes are getting smaller. But when it comes to these sugary drinks, they're, they're still the same. You can still buy one liter of soda for like a dollar, yeah, two 10 liters. for 10 or whatever. Yeah. Two liters. Yeah. For 10 for 10. Yeah. Cheaper than why water. Doesn't, why doesn't that get cheaper? Yeah. It's or crazy. more expensive, I should say. Like, it's crazy. Like, like when you go to a gas station, sometimes water costs more than a drink. And it blows my mind. Like, how does something with, with more ingredients come, comes out to be cheaper than something with less ingredients or with one, one ingredient? Another cool thing that I, that I found out, you know how back in the day, people used to ask, like, at McDonald's if you want to supersize it? Yeah. So they stopped doing that. And the reason why they, why they did that is because they found out that people wanted to always get the best deal. So that is why... On like the McDonald's menu, you have like just a sandwich and then you have like a meal. And they show you different price differences. And usually like the meal is like maybe a few dollars more than the actual sandwich. And that programs your brain to already see a better deal and be more inclined to take that deal. So you're naturally already programmed to take the, the bigger portion of yeah. it. And with the whole supersize me thing, they, they stopped it because McDonald's found out that, hey, if you ask people to supersize it, they're going to be more inclined to, to do it. So essentially, somebody would come in for a sandwich, but they'll walk out with an, a bigger meal with the sandwich, the fries, and a, and a bigger drink. But they initially wanted to just buy that sandwich just because you asked them to. Yeah, it's like that marketing technique mm-hmm. where you go to buy your uh, iPhone to T-Mobile and you somehow walk out with a screen protector, a phone cover, and probably something else. You yeah. know, they just got you somehow. And even marketing is going so deep for for these for these um, fast food places where. They have, you know, some places offer you to order in a kiosk. 
So if you you're a person that comes in there frequently, um, they they're able to figure out like through your phone or through through something through Bluetooth or through Wi-Fi or something like that what you what you buy what you prefer, and what they do in this kiosk is they they show you something geared towards you, so you're more inclined to purchase something if you're on the fence, and that's yeah. mind blowing, man. When I was younger, I used to work at TJ Mas- uh, TJ Maxx, yeah. and those kiosks, those front register. Uh, displays those were the sellers mm. because you're standing in line you're bored you keep looking at that item and it just starts growing on you eventually you pick it up and you buy it so things are purposely marketed in the store just to bring in sales is that and, crazy yep. and imagine like if you're more prone to buying let's say like like kit kats somehow the the kiosk knows that kit kats so if it's automated it throws you kit kats like, like there just because and know, hey, Matt's here, he likes Kit Kats. I try to make him spend more morning. Let's push some Kit Kats around. Imagine if, like, marketing goes to that extent. Yeah. Where, like, you know how there's supposed to be Amazon shops? Imagine if they have, like, a like almost like a walk into Amazon and on your phone, it already tells you deals that, that you would like. Right. I mean, this is already advanced in the social media aspect when it comes to the algorithms yeah, from 100%. that uh, Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. Yeah. Because if you ever bought something online through Facebook or Instagram, that's, that's always stored. And technically, Instagram could sell this information. If you're someone that's prone to buying, let's say, like, graphic tees, technically, Instagram and Facebook could send your information to these graphic key manufacturers, and they know, hey, you're going to be a good target for their ads. Yeah, It's crazy how everything is, is like that, and you don't even know. And it's basically almost like tricking you into buying stuff because it knows what you like and it knows what you're more prone to doing if you're on the fence. Yeah, literally society has been preying on mm. the human psyche for, for everything. But to wrap up this nutritional value um, topic here, one thing that stood out for me is, for example, dietary fiber got increased from 25 grams to 28. So still, everyone, keep in mind that fiber is very, very important. Just like on that episode, we talked about the colon cancer risks. Now they're doing screenings at age 45 instead of 50 for men. Make sure you're getting in the dietary fiber. When you look at like the nutrition label, do you consider fiber fiber as a, as a carb? It's not. So in your opinion? It's not because I actually talked to somebody that was mm. doing keto and everything. So let's just say you're eating a celery stick and you have 10 grams of carbs. Mm. But 5 grams is dietary fiber. That fiber is not ingested into the bloodstream. It's just used as bulk in the gut. So you're technically only adding five extra carbs into your diet. Yeah, a lot of nutritionists, I ask some people this question like a lot. And it's always like 50-50 for me that they tell me. And some nutritionists say, yeah, still, still included because there's, you're still getting some nutritional benefit from the, the fiber, just not as much as an actual carb. And as other people tell me, don't worry about it. Like personally, I'll be honest. If I'm if I'm like meeting my 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 carbon take, and I'm trying to cheat a little bit, and I'm like a little bit over it, I'll take out those fiber grams of carbs just so I could just guys so I could fit in it. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of going on, on both ways. But on a personal level, um, to be honest, I try to include fiber in in my in my like net carbon take, just because that way technically I'll be eating less carbs. Yeah. And, and if I you know don't include it. Yeah, I'm not. I wish I was tracking fiber just to find out what I'm actually consuming. But most of my kitchen is whole food, so I'm sure I'm getting uh, most of it. Yeah. When it comes to like carbohydrates, just like you mentioned, I actually de- de- decreased it from 300 grams to 275. Mm. Uh, protein stayed the same, still important to 50. Honestly, I think you should be eating over at least a gram per body part, at least half of that. 50 grams of fibers. 
Not a lot. At least that's just Fiber. my personal opinion, but that's the FDA you there. Mean protein? That's what I meant to say. Protein, geez. 50 yeah. grams would turn into a, a shit storm really quick. Yeah, dude, 50 grams is not a lot, of, a lot of protein, especially if you're somebody that's working out and trying to, you know, build muscle and stuff. Like, it's not a lot, 50 yeah. grams. And that's the most important building block. So that should yeah. be emphasized a lot more. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if it has to do as well with something with the aging population because a lot of people on, that have renal problems, they can't have too much protein either, 100%. Uh, um, if I'm recalling correctly for my... From, from my you are and phosphorus yeah from my um back in my days where i used to work with like kidney transplants and stuff they have to be careful with with that and that might be that that might, that might be why but for general public you should like match at least one gram per per you know per pound of of, of weight i mean when i eat my grass-fed steak it's honestly up to 35 grams of yeah. uh, protein that's just one meal true and it depends on what your goals are right if you're trying to you know, build muscle, you want to eat more protein. But if you're trying to, let's say, cut down and get skinnier, you could still overeat protein because you're going to be focusing on, on calories. And with each piece of meat you eat, that's still going to be calories. Just because, let's say, you ate like 25 grams of carbs, carbs, and then you ate like 200 grams of, of protein or whatever, and you're like a small person, and your whole diet ends up being 4,000 calories, and uh, normally you... you burn 2000 well guess what you're still putting on a weight you're not gonna lose that weight so that's kind of you have to personalize your diet and your macros based on your goals because not this isn't a one-size-fits-all this is your your like minimums you should be hitting yeah and this is based on a 2000 calorie diet yeah. if you put in your numbers based on height and weight and you burn 25 calories a day you gotta balance out those those numbers and that's why this is just a golden standard for the average joe we believe in precision uh, nutrition, mm -hmm. so base your nutrition on how you are as a person. That's a lot of carbs, 275. That's quite a bit of carbs. I don't, I don't eat that much. Yeah, I definitely don't eat that much either. I mean, it depends on the day because if you smash Domino's pizza or something. Yeah, who's counting those, I'm gonna, though? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit, hit that, but on a, on a daily average, I don't eat 275 grams of carbs. I probably am close with that and probably protein, if anything. But carbs, it's a lot of carbs. That is a lot. Yeah. So let's go into nurses losing their license. And you might be wondering how that happens. So first, we'll start off with the story. And this is Radanda. She's a former Vanderbilt nurse that was actually criminally, criminally indi indicted for accidentally killing a patient with a medication error back in 2017. Uh, this was a nurse in Tennessee. She was actually stripped of her nursing license from the Board of Tennessee this year in July. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if I'm, if I'm correct, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is she basically went into her Pixis and overrid a medication, and she was going to take a uh, one medication, and she ended up taking a paralytic. Yeah, she searched VE. So she was to give Versed, but she ended up getting another paralytic. Verconium, yeah. yeah. So you got you have to be careful. Yeah, we could override the, the Pixis and things like that, and ICU nurses, I think that's a really good thing to have. I know some ICUs and some Pixis, they don't let you override, but in ICU, I feel like you should have the knowledge to be able to override, because sometimes doors don't want to open up or you're in a hurry or the medication is filled in there but in the system it's popping up as it's not and you need to override it yeah. but when you do override you take that responsibility of bypassing that that checks check and balances checks and balances system so you're basically skipping over a protocol and the responsibility is basically in your hands you can't then blame the machine for for messing you up because you're bypassing the process yeah it looks so bad when you look at from like a public standpoint because she overrode all these protocols from the mm -hmm. Pixis, the hospital, 
and she killed this patient. But in reality, just like you mentioned, the ICU, you got an emergency set, uh, situation, the crash cart's running out of medications, there's a charge nurse or whoever that's sending you out to go run and get something from the Pixis. Do you remember that one time in the hospital? It was me, you, and another traveler. We couldn't find that freaking med, how to override it. Mm. Same situation. You kept going back and forth, and other travelers trying to help you. It's so easy just to pull the wrong thing and give it. Yeah. But also, how much, like, if I'm pulling Versed, I'm always looking at that vial and making sure it is before I walk away. Mm. So, you know, unfortunately, in her case, she was just probably stressed out, was running around. I mean, she was still pulling it. There's so much ways to... To prevent this from happening. You got to be a little mindful. Yeah, but we're not sure. I didn't look into her background, how experienced she was, because she couldn't have that much ICU experience if she made a mistake like that. And to tell you guys, so the, the ideal process to avoid the situation, this is how, how it should ideally go, but it doesn't always go like this. So you have an emergency situation. Okay, great. People come in the room. You have a physician or an NP or a PA. So patient's crashing. You got the crash card in there. You slap the pads on them. You're assessed situation. Maybe they're not coding yet, but you know they're about to or about to do a procedure. The ideal process is the physician puts in the orders, or the nurse puts in the orders for the physician after you know verbal consent or or a phone call, and then you go to the Pixis. You type in the medication. You type in a patient's name. Search the medication. It dispenses it for you, and you move along the way. But that doesn't always happen, and it's usually it's rushed. A lot of times it's, hey, get the medication now and we'll worry about the orders later because we have to save this patient's life and assess the situation and figure it out because I'm not going to put in orders right now when the patient's crashing. So someone's going to have to go rush and get the meds and this, this situation can happen multiple times. But like I said before, if you're going to bypass these safety measures, you're taking this responsibility into your own hands and you can't blame anybody else right because she was kind of acting out of oh the system got me it's checking for me but here it wasn't and you still failed to check yeah. uh, one thing you mentioned is you were you're wondering how much years of experience she has mm -hmm. so i'm not sure how much years she has but sometimes the longer you're in uh, the hospital and more experience sometimes you are less prone to take to checking all the safety checks mm -hmm. because you think you know it all too yeah. so that's another dangerous side of nursing too is having too little experience and then the other spectrum is that being that cocky nurse the know-it-all cvicu nurse let me throw that at one in there uh jk jk and um she just think you know she just overrides doesn't check and shit happens or maybe the medication was in the wrong spot that could have been it but i feel like that would have been been addressed in there you know because yeah. sometimes pharmacy stocks and you know they make mistakes too but but still like when you're drawing it up Aren't you like look at the medication because you have to look at the syringe because you got to get the proper amount of MLs in that syringe, right? And then when you're pushing the medication, aren't you also saying, hey, Versed going in, right? So did she just look at it and maybe was scared to ask, hey, is this Versed? Is this what you wanted? And she just pulled it anyways. Right. Who knows what kind of yeah. team she had um, doing this. But at the end of the day, it's her fault and she's getting charged with reckless homicide. Yeah. That sounds wild. Like you're a nurse. Uh, she even referenced here that she's like, you know, I'm trying to, I wanted to become a nurse to, to, so I could take care of people the way I took care of my grandmother or nurses did. And unfortunate story, you're, you killed somebody and it's so unfortunate, man. So we maybe don't wish she it on any nurse. Yeah, maybe she shouldn't go to like prison or, or get charged like on a, um, not sure what the word is, but on like a legal aspect, but maybe just take away her license and have her not practice anymore, you know, but don't, I don't think she has to face criminal charges for this guy. This seems like an honest mistake. 
you know, and it it sucks because yeah, someone died. Pete's an honest, yeah, it's an but, honest mistake, but somebody died. That's, yeah, but somebody died. So that, yeah. that that's that's the thing. But you know, we're all humans, and you know, same way you could die crossing the street, you could die from this kind of mistake. But and that's why it's it's, our job to not do these mistakes, though. That's yeah, the thing. And it's also BS because we have so much damn pressure on us when it comes to the physicians, patients. We always mention that, and. Things like this where you are forced to override meds and break protocol and put your license at risk because of a patient in an emergency and then you end up making an error and you get effed for it. it sucks. We should, yeah, we need a little revolution in, in the healthcare system and make better standards for nurses because look how, look how much we're putting ourselves as the frontline heroes. Yeah, but one thing I learned is with standards, no matter how much standards you implement or all processes you, you, you create, you know, mistakes are always going to happen. Yeah. And, and I feel like... <laughs> I, I feel like... I feel like as a profession, as a whole, we do a really good job of preventing errors. I feel that since I started to be a nurse and now I've been a nurse for, you know, over four years now, I feel like the protocols that they have implemented have definitely made nursing a little bit more safe. And there's definitely going to be more more to come. There's been the arguments or the propo- the pro- propositions of making certain nursing roles like automated. Like imagine if there was like some system where it dispenses you all the medication that you would need to deliver for that shift. So that'll be a lot easier. Of course, this, this is a different situation, but I'm just giving a different example. Like you already come into work and on your shift and you have the do medications already laid out for you. That'll be, that'll be super nice. And all you have to do is get the PRNs if, if needed. Yeah. That can eliminate a lot of a lot of a lot of, lot of stuff too because, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest. There's been times where I couldn't find colace, and I messaged pharmacy and they're supposed to send me it down to colace, and it's been four hours, and you know the colace still isn't here. Well, I'm sorry, patient didn't get the colace. You know because it's already five hours late. I'm not gonna give them a colace now with another one two hours later. Reschedule mm-hmm. not given. Patient refused. <laughs> yeah, it patient refused. Family refused. Family refused. I'm not saying anything, but those are options. Yeah. Uh, so reasons for <laughs> reasons to lose your license. Yeah. Patient stated he's been having diarrhea. <laughs> refused. Five stools this shift. Mm. Hold. <laughs> uh, so reason for nurses to lose their license, there's different things like DUIs and drugs and all that. So we're going to go into the reasons. But every single year, there's an average of 7,000 nurses at the board uh, revokes licenses or does some kind of um, discipline based on mm. what the nurse does. And there's one on four things that could happen. So uh, the nurse could get a reprimand. Reprimand, geez, I'm pronouncing reprimanded? that. Reprimanded? You could get reprimanded, mm. he or she. So you just get a slap on the wrist there. Uh, you could have your nurse's license on a probation. That's going to depend on the board and per state. You could have a suspended license where you're removed for quite some time from your profession, or you could have your license revoked. Mm, the so scary one. Yeah, the scary one. So let's go dive into some things of why nurses lose their license. So the first one, funny that we're going to mention that at first, but failure to pay their child support. This is for all the dudes and bros out there in, uh, in nursing. If yeah, we're going to pay child support too, dude. They do, they do. And majority are females, so there's some females out there that aren't paying child support that are getting their license revoked. Yeah, you know? could be. Because some nurses make a lot of money, dude. And if... And, you know, low-key, if I was a poor man and the divorced wife had, had more money than me and I'm taking care of the kid, yeah, I'm pushing for some of that, you know, <laughs> that, that, like, you know, sugar mama money, you know what I'm saying? Just, just yeah. get by, you know? So be careful, nurses out there, you know? You safety of anything? I agree with you. It happens to both. One of our friends, it's more of an acquaintance, but, like, the girl left them with two kids. Yeah. 
Damn, she's not a she's a baby mama, but she dipped. Yeah, it's a baby daddy. Like when you think of child support, the first thing that always comes to mind is the dude not paying for the for a child. Isn't right? that messed up? That's in her psyche. Yeah, yeah. Deep. And even even in like you know when I was younger, or whatever. Ever so often, I used to watch like Judge Judy or whatever those Judge Joe Brown Brown Cheaters. shows. Yeah, and then like in one of the episodes, I think it was Judge Judge Judy or something. Where it was the same case, someone not paying child support, but the issue was that the the dude was taking care of the kid, and the woman was supposed was getting child support. So it was like a fifty fifty kind of thing. But the guy was doing more of the work, and the baby mama was just you know complaining that she wasn't getting paid. And it comes to be that the woman barely did anything for the kid, and she wanted money just for herself. So you have to realize that that you know you can't just automatically assume things. Just because of past situations. And it's kind of crazy how we're programmed to do that. Because there's definitely fathers out there with, with kids that are doing a lot better than than the woman would have with that same kid. Yeah. Right? Very and good father, Yeah. And father figure plays a big role in, in, you know, in family dynamics and growing up. Of course, so does the, the mom as well. You, need, you yeah. need both the masculine and feminine. If one lacks, there's different mm. traits that pop up in the, patient, uh, the child's life. But pay so, child support. Yeah, pay it. And this is uh, in all 50 states. You could get your license suspended or revoked. And this is any kind of license. It's not even nursing. It's any kind of professional licensure, occupational jobs that you have a license in. What about driver's license? Uh, what about it? You get a I don't think too? you can't get a suspended for not paying child support. <laughs> Imagine. Hey, you See, that's a little bit of a tyranny there from the government. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're gonna, if you're not, if you're going to work, and you're not paying child support. Okay, you're not going to drive. Now you're not going to eat. <laughs> you're going to go to work. You're not going to go to work, and you can't drive. <laughs> Jeez, God yeah. forbid, man. It's already getting bad. Let's not sign you stir the pot there. Yeah, but you still got to pay child support to get your license back. You do. Uh, the second one is a patient in uh, abusing a patient or neglecting them, mm-hmm. and that usually happens with the elderly. And it's interesting because. Up until the 1970s, this is when they first started uh, discussing elderly abuse. Mm-hmm. Before, it was more of a private thing. It wasn't really considered a social crisis or like a health concern. Yeah, when you mentioned uh, patient abuse and, and neglect, it's kind of sad that the first thing or f- the first thing you know, that came to my mind was that nursing home patient that's been there for a long time and basically being neglected. And that's that just shows you how we're almost programmed to think about a certain situation and scenarios in a certain way based on the stuff that we see on news because i've personally never experienced a situation where where i firsthand saw neglect or abuse to a, to a patient nursing home but we always see them on, on the news on and the cases the whole new york the, the thing ads. remember the whole new york thing too and then even like ads when we were growing up when we used, we used to watch tv there was always that the ad hey is your loved one in a nursing home this and this we are the lawyers for you stuff like that and you associate these things and they get programmed, which, which is sad because then people are afraid to put their loved ones in nursing, home, nursing homes that need that kind of care because the neglect does happen at home either because sometimes the family can't take care of this patient, but they're scared to send them to a nursing home because they think they're going to get treated even worse. And because there's been a handful of times where, where like I dealt with a patient from home care that the family was taken care of and they were in a horrible, horrible situation. And, and we were trying to figure out why, and it was the fear of them going to a nursing home. But the family could not manage to do all this care, and the patient was suffering. Yeah. And they would have had a lot better better experience and a lot better time from the patient and the family if they would have just given this patient a slot in a nursing home. 
100 percent i've never experienced any neglect or abuse myself either but i've always heard stories and honestly any single hospital we travel to there's always those specific nursing homes are like yeah the patients from there right yeah, they already know they already know and it's same, sad it's sad and same thing when i worked in like chicago uh there was there's a nursing home that we knew these patients are uh just out there you know or the, or the psych nursing homes mm-hmm. where like you know they're probably doing some sexual thing or there's literally patients that are leaving the nursing home to go buy cigarettes from the gas station or alcohol across mm-hmm. like there's just some wild stories you hear that's like how, how is this happening in, in America? Or even patients tell you if they have a if they if they're like going to like a rehab center for let's say they're post hip and something and they can't go home because no one could drive into rehab so they have to stay at like a subacute rehab center. Even like those stories that you that you hear the patient tell you they're like oh, I don't want to go here because I know somebody that's been there and they said it's bad and I don't want to go here because I've heard these kind of stories. So that's crazy to have to be in that position as as a patient. And already heard, hear these negative things about yeah. these places. Very good point, man. Right. How many times they're like, yeah, let me talk to social work because I refuse to go here. Right. They treat me bad. Yeah. And it's like, sorry, there's no place I could go to because you're, there's no place that your insurance covers. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, that has Especially with no the choice. trach patients. Yeah. And, expect, yeah, and expect those frequent flyers from different nursing homes, they, they tell you like the things that, that go, goes on. But the thing is, you can't always, always believe them because I've met some patient that came from... Um, to the, our sub facility that I used to work at and they'll be all cool and nice but the thing is they're really needy like they they're there for like for like a hip and don't want to do the rehab and they don't want to do these things themselves but then when they go to the hospital or the family comes in they start talking shit about the staff and it's like we can't help you if you can't help yourself you know because we, we just can't we can't afford to do, do, do certain things so it's like you can't always take everything as, as fact because someone's telling you, because you have to take both perspectives. And, and as nurses in a hospital, we don't have both perspectives. We just have the perspective of the, of the patient. Yes, we do. And a third one is going to be sexual misconduct. And that is both through professional, like a nurse and a physician to a patient, and like a nurse to nurse or a nurse to physician. And I've never experienced it myself. I mean, there's been times where like little grandmas have like hit on me and stuff, but I wouldn't call that sexual misconduct. Or yeah. anything. It's just like whatever grandma's trying, trying to be funny, you know, let her live a little bit. And I never seen anything between a physician and, and a nurse. Like there is some shit that goes at a hospital that that you, that you hear about, like you know, people having sex at work and all that shit. But I've never you know dealt with anybody that has been sexually mistreated by a coworker or a staff or a superior. You could say. Yeah, I've I've heard the the hooking up part, mm-hmm. but it's it's never reported to sexual misconduct where the other party feels like something happened and they both get effed and dinged and maybe get their. Uh, license revoked because mm-hmm. that's the um that's a huge thing yeah. it's, it results in disciplinary action right away and w- and we always do our continuing education about sexual misconduct yeah. every single year and every single contract right but you could definitely definitely think about it happening right you could kind of you're not, not blind to the fact that it does happen and we're in a field where we work with predominantly females and a lot of the physicians are doctors it's a little bit more 50 50 with the physician side but majority of nurses are female right so i understand Sometimes guys have tendencies to hit on nurses and some people might, you know, feel like they are, they're experiencing some sexual misconduct and it does happen. It's just, you know, one of the situations where if you have dudes and chicks, it's going to happen. Yeah. And we're guys, so maybe we can't comment as much on sexual misconduct or we haven't had Mm, situations where we felt that. Maybe if you're a female nurse, yes, I'm sure there's a patient that told you something that's 
wrong and you felt disgusted and <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry that happened. But oh, on, on, honestly, in our, my standpoint, I never had anything like that where I felt like self-conscious about my body. Okay, yeah, personally not, but I remember some nurses on the unit, there was a few patients that would give them a hard time and just say these inappropriate remarks, but never got escalated. What basically happens then is is usually it's me or some other dude just takes takes the care of that patient. Maybe not the, the full care, but you know, we'll go in there more often than a nurse, you know what I'm saying? Just just to show that, show that, that hey, um, you shouldn't be doing those kind of things, and just so they don't do it because they're not gonna do it to a guy. So you're kind of creating that, 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 that like border. And sometimes, you know, if I overhear it and, you know, a nurse is uncomfortable, you know, sometimes I go into the room and be like, hey, you probably shouldn't be saying that. You're, you're going to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. So you I, have to catch them on that because if you keep allowing this patient to keep saying these remarks over and over again and then nobody tell him, hey, stop, nobody tell him to, to not do it, he's going to keep doing it. Yep. Set some boundaries, guys. Mm -hmm. The fourth one for reason, reasons why nurses lose their license is drug-related violations. And there was a little study that said it was an estimated of 10% of nurses will misuse drugs or alcohol sometimes in their careers. Uh, that goes with anything, prescription pills or such. It's so prevalent in our nursing careers. We could easily scan something and not give it or forget it. Um, it could be stealing things. During the pandemic, we've heard so many stories where fentanyl became an issue and other drugs where pharmacy had to switch protocols because people were stealing them. Yeah, I mean, there's been... A handful of times where I actually, you know, kept a leftover of fentanyl in my pocket and came home and I'm just like, oh shit, there's fentanyl in my pocket. But, you know, I'll return it to work. I thought I'm a manager yeah. because those are important drugs. And every time you pull it, the system knows who pulled it. So if you're one of those nurses that, that likes to steal drugs from work, technically we have you tracked. Yeah. I mean, that's different because then you'd be diverting drugs for True. personal use or for sale use. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we definitely heard about it. Even the one of the facilities that we worked at, they they had to change up the protocol for pulling certain medications because a dude was taking medication and literally injecting himself into it while he was at work. And that's insane. It's mind blowing. Like he was doing it at work. Yeah. We, we've had a crazy case back in my uh, previous staff job where there was a day shift nurse that he kept, they kept noticing he's funny and something's going on. And one time like acting funny, like acting funny. Yeah. Just, just very awkward guy. And one time a nurse saw him with like, um, with like a little insulin syringe and an arm like that. I don't know how dr dramatic it was brought up or how it actually happened, but the charge nurse made him like take a drug test right away. Um, I'm not sure what happened, but you know, the guy wasn't around anymore. Yeah. So, so who knows what happened? I actually know, uh, the, the test came back negative. Mm -hmm. And then he said some kind of sexual comment to a pharmacist, and then he got dinged for it. That's right. That's some shit. That's some shit. Yeah, he he was a he was a character though. Yeah, but nursing, like as nurses, the hospital facilities we're we're supposed to be reliable, right? And technically, we we do have open access to basically almost any drug in a Pixis. You can override almost every drug in, in a Pixis. So there's definitely ways a drug user could definitely bypass the system and take these drugs with them home or, or use them because the system trusts us that we pull the medication, we scan it, and we administer it into the patient. That's basically the administration process. It's just based on, on us being honest yeah, because they, there's no system. It's not like you give somebody morphine and I don't think there's a 
test next to the patient that tests for morphine, right? Yeah. And you that, don't know. And that goes perfectly into point number five, which is false, falsifying documentation. Mm-hmm. If you get caught up like that, that's going to be an issue. What you mentioned, there's no way to track it, but falsifying documents could be as easy as the patient had a rough night, so I gave him a little bit of push of morphine, and then you forgot to document it. And then the day went back, and then something happened where they uncovered, hey, why did this patient you know, do something, or respirations went down? More of like a, maybe the blood pressure was low, you didn't catch it, and then we had to do a bolus, why? And then they find out you gave morphine. That could be, become an issue. There's going to be some disciplinary action. Right. Imagine if you gave it before change of shift and you never documented it. And now the, the patient is a little labile. Maybe you gave him, you know, the, maybe the order set to start at one milligram. And since the patient was in severe pain, you just had to give him two or three or, or four instead of that one to test it out. And you leave and don't document it. And then for some reason, that patient goes into respiratory arrest. Like, that's on you. Like it, it's scary. That, that's one way you could lose your license. And it could be so easy. Mm-hmm. And it could be falsifying documents. could be just writing a maybe a nursing note, a progress note that doesn't just go along with what you charted. So yeah. just be careful. Now, a few podcast episodes, we mentioned that the progress notes could be used and held against in court of law. Right. That's why I always, if I give a medication, I forget I chart it off. And I remember on my drive home, I always call. I was like, hey, I gave this patient this, uh, you know, 0.5 milligrams of, of, of Xanax. Sorry, I forgot to scan documented just because they were so anxious. But you have to call because imagine if you gave that 0.5, you don't, you don't chart it and it's Q like six or Q4. And the patient is like still a little bit, a little bit anxious, but breathing isn't, isn't the best. And you gave him another 0.5 and that just pushes them over, over that limit. It's, yeah. it's because you don't know how they're going to re- react. It might be such a small dose, but everybody reacts differently. Everybody relaxes differently. And it's crazy to think about how one milligram of morphine can drop somebody's blood pressure within seconds. And it takes four milligrams of morphine to, you know, cure this guy's pain. Like, that's how big of a difference it is. And it doesn't even, people say, yeah, it depends on the body size. It's not even body size. It's just the way people react to, to, to medications. 100%. Same with like alcohol. Like, yeah, for some reason, I have... I have, we have friends that are bigger than us that can't tolerate as much alcohol as us. Same way we have people that are smaller than us that can tolerate more than us. We just don't know. You can't always base on body size and assumptions. Yeah, and, and the second one where it comes to falsifying documentation, this is a little bit out there. But if you already have your nursing license suspended and you go to a different uh, employer, you provide them a different nursing license thinking it won't matter and you get caught up like that, mm. that's a big deal. Yeah, And number six is probably a really big deal as well and that is a breach in patient confidentiality that is where HIPAA comes after you that's where you spoke about about a patient outside of work or something or released some documents maybe took a photo of a patient's MRN number and and they got it released through, through social media like that all that HIPAA stuff you could definitely use your license for that and the HIPAA thing is is it's very scary because it's something as simple or so little as talking about a patient on the elevator where somebody overhears and it gets passed on. Like it HIPAA is very, very easy to piss off. Yeah. And you hear so many nurses that got fired before for doing silly mistakes or a celebrity came or somebody that's yeah. popular and they talked about it, bam, you get dinged. Right. Like even at prior hospital, when we had Juice World come in, uh, I think a few nurses got fired for that because, you know, they were talking to their colleagues and their, and their friends about it. And that... I mean, what can you do about it? Yeah. What can you do? So if you're a nurse that experienced something like this and things ended up bad and you're on probation, every single state is going to have different measures to 
get off probation or what you have to do. So this is an example from Indiana. If you're on probation, in order to get off probation, you have to petition to the Board of Nursing and you're actually going to have to attend a hearing where the nurse is going to swear under oath and is going to have to testify in a court. Uh, you have to do an uh, opening statement. You have to call the witnesses, introduce your evidence, do a cross-examination. Basically, you have to be in court and have an attorney. Mm -hmm. And after that, after you comply with everything, it's going to be up to the, the board to decide what's going to happen or when we could revoke the, the probation. Yeah. I'm not sure other states are working. This is a very... This is muddy water to figure out what exactly happens during probation. Yeah, it feels like a lot of this stuff is basically at the board's discretion. Even when they revoke your license or, or with revocation, there's a few routes this could go. It could go one route where your license is revoked for a few years. It could go where your license is revoked forever. It could go your license is revoked for a few years and it make me take the NCLEX. It, there's different avenues and it seems like with all of these things, you're penalized, not necessarily based on guidelines, but based on the board's discretion. Yeah. So it's more like a, like a subjective kind of thing where depending on what you did and how the board feels, that's what you can get, you get hit with. That's tough, man. You have a bunch of judges that listen to your case and decide yeah. how bad you messed up and if you deserve to work as a nurse mm -hmm. again. Yeah, that, it's, it sucks, man. I hope I'm never in a situation. Don't I, don't see myself, I don't see myself being in a situation. It's not about being tripped up because, like, I feel like when you say tripped up, it's it's like, you know, don't get caught, you know. But it's not about not getting caught. It's about doing the right thing. All the time. And it's about, yeah. like, being honest w with things. And just if you do get do get caught caught up doing something that maybe you did by accident, if it was me, I would use everything in my willpower to make it known that it was an accident and then it wasn't intended. Yeah, just that, that intense intense going to be key. Just like you mentioned, if you took the med by accident or you missed something, you call and you kind of cover your ass. If you go that extra mile to help prevent that error that already happened or bring it up, and just like you say, honesty, things could play out a lot different than, for example, that one. Uh, we were on a podcast. We're talking about that nurse in Georgia that lied about her original statement that she helped the patient, that she was initiating CPR. But then when the video, the recording was there, she didn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. So honesty, honesty is the best policy. And I don't think a lot of people are going to get into the situations where this gets involved yeah. to the board. You know, maybe your hospital management is going to get involved if something small happened, like a med error where mm -hmm. you have to kind of talk about it with management to help troubleshoot how to prevent these mistakes. But to get to that point, it's not unlikely unless you're a bad nurse. Yeah, always remember, it's your life. It's your license. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We talked about the new guidelines for the FDA. Stay on top of your nutrition and, of course, reasons why you might be losing your license, including that one sad case with the nurse in Tennessee. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you find value in it, please give us a, give us a ranking, a five-star. We appreciate that. Share with your loved ones. We'll be back again. Thanks so much. Peace. Bye -bye.